The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Athletical Physical Therapy and CDW. And a pleasant good evening, everybody. Welcome in as the Bears get ready to take on the Lions at Soldier Field on Sunday. We will break it down for you and take a temperature of this team after that uh, horrible loss to the Green Bay Packers. I'm Jeff Joniak, my broadcast partner from WBBM and the former Chicago Bears Super Bowl winning guard, Tom Thayer. Good evening, Tom. How you doing, buddy? Big Jeff, I'm doing good. Just, um, you know, thinking about this game, Detroit-Chicago. There's so much conversation outside the realm of football that it's almost taking on a life of its own. So it's going to be interesting to see what locker room can handle the different pressures that each head coaches have on them that will take them into the game Sunday. Big Tom, what do you think about some of this conversation as it pertains to the Bears? I think you're alluding to just a a fiery Nagy early in the week after the game. Uh, Well-placed, you know. He, He was ticked off about how things were. Players are ticked off. Everybody's ticked off, but I'll put in the same vein. Remember now, this is football. You, you know, guys sometimes get yelled at or get told that they're not playing well enough, and I think that's that's pretty fair, isn't it? Yeah, but, you know, the thing about a locker room of professional type A personality football players is they have to have thick skin because at some point in time in your career, whether it's Pop Warner High School, college, or professional, you're going to get criticized in front of the general public, and you're going to get criticized in front of your teammates and your peers. And it's all how about you grow from that. Now, if you go, if we go to the game Sunday and the defense is absolutely lifeless, then you're going to see that message didn't really resonate. But if you're going to see a energy-filled, tackling machine really stop at the point of attack and cover the passing game well, then you're going to see a message that got across and it did exactly what Matt intended it to do. All right, coming up on our show, we're going to be joined here shortly by Lomas Brown, the former NFL tackle and analyst that does uh, what Tom does for us for the Detroit Lions Radio Network. Good friend of ours and uh, able to talk to him about the Detroit Lions, just who is available. Will Kenny Galladay play, the Santa Rita star receiver? That makes a big difference in tilting the field. Also joined by Bears center Sam Mustafer at the bottom of the hour at 6.30 after his performance and return to the lineup for an offensive line with his remade and uh, sixth different group of linemen this year. And we'll hear from some uh, Cordell Patterson for our Bears game day live feature player profile that you'll hear and see on our show with Luke Canellis, myself, and Tom on Sunday morning at 10.30 on Fox 32 Chicago. Here's a little clip from Tashawn Gibson today, Tom, uh, after Matt Nagy's meeting with the defense, which he does every single Wednesday, drops in, kind of sets the tone for the week in terms of practice, but this after his uh, his criticism and coming down hard on the unit. He never know how certain guys might take certain things or how certain guys might read into it. And he clarified it. Uh, I won't go into specifics, but just let us know he got our back in. And, and whatever the comments, however they was taken, um, that the guys who know him and, you know, obviously guys know him longer than I have. I've only been here a year, man, but I have a great deal of respect for him. So um, just pretty much let us know, man, like it wasn't a finger pointing session. And that's nothing that he, you know, for it to be that, you know, we would have been kind of caught off guard. So for him letting us know, man, it wasn't a finger point session, man. It just was him talking about the game, frustrations and things like that. But make no mistake about it, man, he still he still believed in everything that we can do as a defense, man. And, 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 and you know, it wasn't nothing personal. So 
Um, like I said, man, we got a mature group on defense. And I don't personally think nobody that I talked to uh, was personally offended and brought up the comments. So honestly, had he not even said nothing, I don't think that it, it was it, it was something that people would have lingered on and thought about, to be honest with you. But like I say, him being the guy that he is, he got in front of it just in case there was anybody who had any ill will towards the comments. So. Uh, everybody's saying the same thing here, and Gibson included used the word embarrassing on how they played defensively. And, you know, hey, you got to chalk it up. It was not a good day at the office, and now it's about moving forward, though. We're already talking about the same stuff from Sunday night here on Thursday when you got the Detroit Lions uh, on the schedule coming up here in a few hours, basically. Well, you know, the thing about it is Matt didn't point out anybody. He pointed out the unit as a whole. And I think he would be a little naive if he didn't address the performance of the defense on last Sunday. But, again, let's talk about it moving forward and how it will be when they face the Detroit Lions because there's a lot of question marks that they don't even know the answers to yet because this is a there's such a different team from the Bears and from Detroit Lions that faced each other the first week of the season and no bigger um, imprint left than what uh, Daryl Bevel, the new head coach, is going to be able to do with Matthew Stafford, a talented offensive coordinator and a talented quarterback. Yeah, oddly, both teams losing by the same scores coming into this game, giving up 41 points, one to Houston, one to Green Bay, and four and six since that week one meeting. Uh, but Daryl Bevel has been preaching fun. We'll find out more about that from Lomas Brown here in a couple minutes, uh, reflect back on your career, Tom. Did you ever remember walking into a buzzsaw with an in-season firing for a team that you played that you may have eased back a little bit because they were in turmoil and then you got burned? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, you know, I really don't recall a, a team firing their staff or head coach or any of their personnel the week leading up to our game because, you know, Jeff, we never really thought outside our own bubble. Yeah, we prepared for our next opponent, but we were so concerned for our own job and the evaluation of our own coaches that we didn't worry that what was going on with another team. And I think some of the coaches that I played for, they would only message, uh, they, the only message that they would deliver this week about how you can prepare as a Chicago Bear to be better to play against the Detroit Lions. Yeah, Matt Nagy does that too. It is about what they do, not about what the Lions are doing, and that seems to be his approach every single week. Uh, today at practice, Akeem Hicks back on a limited basis. That's good news. 16 days after leaving the Vikings game with a hamstring injury, Khalil Mack missed his second day with a back precautionary only in nature, so the expectation he'll play. Left tackle Charles Leto Jr. limited today. Did not practice yesterday with that sore toe. And it looks like Nick Foles will be the backup quarterback after his return from a hip injury at full practice today. Coming up next, Lomas Brown will join us, the Lions analyst and former great offensive lineman for Detroit. This is Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. Jeff Joniak, my broadcast partner, Tom Thayer. As we break down Bears-Lions, joined now by Lions radio analysts and a first-round pick in the 85 draft the year. Big Tom and his guys stormed the NFL Lomas and won the Super Bowl. You had to deal with that bunch as a young man. Opening day left tackle in 11-year career is the sixth overall pick from Florida. How'd you handle that one, man? How did man, you do it? Hey, look, I still, I, I still wake up in the middle of the night with sweats thinking about Dirty Dent. 
Richard Dent, that number 95, man. That was him and Wilbur Marshall, my former teammate, man. That was the most, I'll tell people to this day, best defense I ever played against, ever played against, man. Best defense of all time, man. That was awesome. So I'm still, after all these years, I'm still having chills thinking about those guys. <laughs> you, ever, you ever wake up in a cold sweat having a nightmare? Because I tell you, you know, I don't know, what, what did you, so when you got there, your draft weight, listed draft weight was 282, which in those days, and at 6'4", I mean, now you could be – I saw a tight end at Iowa State the other day at 270. So, you know, <laughs> things change, obviously. You'd have to be in the three three bills range here. So what was the highest weight you ever got to? Well, actually, that they cheated on that. I was actually – the highest I got up to was 315. So okay. that was the highest. My first, my first six years, I was hovering around there. But my last 12 years in the league, you know, I was pretty much around the 280, around that mark, because I had to. But quick story, class of 85, so you know who you guys drafted, Refrigerator Perry. He was the original big guy to come okay. in the league. I think he might have been one of the biggest guys to come in the league, man, back in 1985. Hey, Lomas, when you talk about waking up with cold sweats, thinking about Dirty Den from 85, <laughs> Tell, take me into the mind of DeAndre Swift and what's going through his mind. Because, you know, I think he was treated unfairly at the end of the Bears-Detroit game because I don't think it's easy to back into an end zone with hands flying in front of your face and then catch a fireball from Matthew Stafford. I know that, I, again, I thought he was treated unfairly in Chicago. How was he treated in Detroit? Man, I'm telling you, that's just years of frustration. That's all that is, man. I think about it. It's been we got one playoff victory since the sixties. Hmm. Think about that, man. These fans and you got some passionate, loyal fans that eat and they live and they die Detroit football. And that's just all that frustration coming out. That's all that is and stuff, you know. And um, to be honest with you, how this season has gone for the Lions, the best thing for them has been COVID because you hadn't had 50, 60,000 people in the stands booing you because of how they played throughout this year. So, you know, I, it, it was unfair. And, boy, we see that that first game he had the jitters. Man, he is a weapon. If we could just keep him healthy, he could be a weapon for Detroit for a lot of years. So it's unfortunate the first game of the season things ended the way it did for him. But he is going to be a mainstay for the Detroit Lions for a lot of years. All right, let's speed up until today. You're talking about a team at one end of the spectrum where they have multiple offensive line changes and multiple quarterback changes. Or else we go to the Detroit Lions, they have a change in a midseason firing of a head coach. So you've been around the NFL long enough. What team is has the biggest advantage and what team has the biggest disadvantage coming into this game? Well, I'm telling you, it should be you guys, Chicago. That, it, it should be. I, I mean, I've been watching uh, film, and it, it's amazing just the struggle that you're saying that you've had up front and on the offensive side of the ball, uh, not only getting guys open so Mitchell Trubisky could have a, a bigger window to throw the ball to, which would help Bill 
build his confidence. You know, you got some great. I love Allen Robinson. You know, hometown guy back here. So I and I know I love his mom Tracy. So I love Allen, and to me, he's your best weapon over there. But you know, you have to design things. I think to get these guys open more. You know, the window that I seen that Mitchell's trying to throw balls in, and, and believe me, some of his decision making hadn't been good either. But he's having a lot of tight windows to try to get the ball into. And when you're not really accurate or you're not a very confident guy, you know, that's hard. That's a hard ask. So I just think maybe the play calling can help him a little bit more. And, of course, the best thing for a quarterback is a running game. So definitely got to get that going. And Tom knows that, man. That's, that's the best thing for everybody, offensive linemen, everybody, when you got a run game going. Well, the Bears ran the ball pretty good against the Lions in the opener and squeaking out that win, yeah. getting out of town. Lomas Brown, our guest here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. So uh, I, I noticed and we've uh, met and uh, been aware of Daryl Bevel when he interviewed for the Bears job long ago. He's matured more since, got more under his belt, and he seems to be he's, – he's, he's talking and walking like a head coach. What are the Detroit Lions getting with Daryl Bevel as the interim head coach after the dismissal of Matt Patricia? You know, I love Coach Bevel, man. It's just I just love his personality, and that's what I think they're going to get. I think they're going to be able to get his personality. You know, it's more outgoing. It's, I think it's going to be a free, free – guys going to be able to play freer. I think he's going to be able to open it up a little bit more. That's the thing from a defensive perspective from Chicago. I would be worried about – how the Lions' offense is going to look, you know, because now, as you can see, there's no more shackles on Coach Bevel, you know, so he could call what he really wants to call. So it'll be interesting to see if he tried to unleash Matthew Stafford or, you know, just how the game plan is going to be. Um, again, um, and on the defensive side of the ball, he says that he has full trust in Corey Underland, our um defensive coordinator so again I want to see how these guys play and you know I've been on the team where the the the, uh coach has been dismissed and you know you could go one way or the other way you know you could you could it's five games left in the season these guys can pack it in you know and call themselves getting ready for next season but as we know you have to audition each and every week in this league or they're going to come out and they're going to demonstrate that you know, that things are different, that they're having fun. As they say that they wanted to have more fun, we're just going to see. So I, I'm, I'm kind of with you guys. I'm, I'm curious to see what type of team we get out there on Sunday ourselves. I'm keenly interested in the availability of Kenny Galladay. Hasn't played uh, much this season. The St. Rita product here, St. Rita, uh, a tremendous player, obviously puts fear in a defense. What's his status and what's your understanding on if, in fact, he has any chance? He has practice yet this week. Right, exactly. And, you know, that's not a good sign, especially with tomorrow being Friday. That's just not a good sign of, of, you know, Kenny's availability. And, you know, the deeper it gets into the season, you wonder if he's going to come back at all. You know, you don't know the severity of the hip injury. You know, so you just don't know. So, to me, like I say, the deeper you get into the season, as you're talking five games left, you know, the more and more you start to think whether he's even going to come back. But it should give our, some of our younger guys opportunities. You Quintez Cephas, 
you know, your Marvin Hall, you know, TJ Hawkinson has had a big year because Kenny hadn't been there. Matthew has targeted him a lot. So hopefully some of these other guys will be able to step up. It hadn't been a lot of production that we've been able to get out of the rest of the guys, but hopefully, you know, they'll look at this as an opportunity and hopefully we'll be able to get big games out of them on Sunday. You know, you missed Danny Shelton. He got hurt this weekend. But, you know, when I was going back and I was looking at the flip chart I made for week one, there's more names in place in Detroit than there is in Chicago. And so it, it seems like, you know, that's the that's the atmosphere that Daryl Bevel needs to work with is, is the experience has been developed since a lot of these guys have been missing games. And, you know, when he made the comment during the week that he wanted to bring back more fun to the organization, what – was it an unhappy atmosphere, or was the work level get, given to these guys there in practice, was it just overboard? Man, look, you know me. <laughs> and, and I Lomas, know, I love you. There's no way a player in this day and age can come to me and tell me they're being overworked. Come on, Tom, come on. Come on. There's no way with what we went through – Two days, practice padded up, both days hitting both. Man, it's no way. So now if we're talking attire from a mental perspective or from a duration, meaning having them in the building all day long, I could buy that. I really can buy that. Maybe mental fatigue, I could buy that. But there's no way I could buy physical fatigue with how these guys are being taken care of and how the league and the NFLPA is taking care of these guys and how they say they put safety in the forefront. So, you know, I'm looking at it from a different perspective. Or maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it, is, it was a mental fatigue. And then, you know, a lot of times you start feeling the pressure that your coach is under. You know, him and Bob Quinn, they were under a lot of pressure here, man. Things hadn't worked out, and they came in with big expectations. And the more things didn't work out, the more pressure started coming down on Coach Patricia and on uh, GM Bob Quinn. And I have to think that the team had to feel some of that, you know. So, you know, maybe it was a combination of that and maybe the mental fatigue, but it couldn't have been the physical fatigue that these guys were dealing with. All right, Lomas, when I talk about I think the most important player in Detroit is Matthew Stafford. Whenever you hear about a quarterback that has a thumb injury, the concern is can he hold on to the ball tight enough to get the ball out of his hands and throw it like we we know Matthew Stafford being able to throw it. And um, also, is there any fear – that he shows in throwing the ball and making sure he doesn't hit the helmets in front of him because I think to a quarterback with a thumb problem, that could be a huge issue. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Also, what about under, under center, taking under center snaps? You know, I think that had to be – we watched him closely last week, and you could just tell he was taking the ball under center a lot differently than he would, kind of almost protecting that thumb. So even things like that, even the handoff, handing the ball off, that just has to be uncomfortable, all those different things that you do and that involves your hand. I, I know with the thumb and where the thumb is located at, it has to get banged up. So you're absolutely right. Not alone with looking at helmets and all the other things um, that you have to deal with. Yeah, so 
it has to be a concern for Matthew. He's been playing it through, though. He's so tough, man. He's just such a yeah. tough guy, man. No complaints. The guy goes out there each and every game. He gets beat down, and he comes back for more. So, you know, I wish I could have had a guy like him behind me, man. That's why you had one like that, you know. But I wish I'd have had a tough guy like that behind me, man, because it makes a world of difference with your attitude when you go out there on the field to take the game. Lomas brought our guest remaining moments with the former Lions tackle. A great one in NFL history and certainly in that Lions organization and now their radio analyst. You mentioned Matthew Stafford, Tommy did, and you know, the first thing that happened after Patricia's dismissal was looking at the future of this quarterback with five games to go and if he's being asked questions about whether or not he'd be part of that future. What is your opinion about that? Well, I, I do. I like what Sheila Hampford said, which was she's going to let the next coach make the decision. And I just think that's a great football move. I, I just think that's what you what you should have, you should do. You shouldn't, you know. I, you know, and Matthew's great. Believe me, I, I like I say, I wish I had a quarterback like Matthew Stafford. By if we'd have had him back in the '80s, man, with Barry Sanders and Herman and all the guys we had. We'd have had a team, man. So I'm not taking anything away from Matthew, but I just do think that's the right decision. If you're going to bring somebody in new, if you're going to change the culture, if that's what you want, you know, if you want the direction of the organization to go in another way, then he should be allowed to make the decision on whether you keep Matthew or not, you know. So I have no problem with her saying that. And, you know, if I'm a competitor, you know, and I know Matthew Stafford is, you know, hey, look at it as a challenge if you want to. You know what I'm saying? That's what competitors do. Either they're going to shy away from it or they're going to step up to the challenge if that's how it's perceived. So, to me, I think she's making the right choice, letting the next coach make the decision. Hey, Lomas, have you guys had any outdoor cold weather natural surface games as of yet? As of yet, no. The Lions haven't. No, they haven't had any of those. This will be their first experience unless they went outside today and practiced outside somewhere up here in Michigan. I think this will be their first experience of some cold weather games. And, man, I remember those days, too. Oh, it's so cold there. So that chill, man. You guys were just amazing to me. We only had to deal with it once a year. But you guys had to play eight games there, home, well, ten. But, then, you know, just the cold-weather games there, man, just how you did it each and every week, man. Ooh, it just it, 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 I got some more chills just thinking about that. Yeah, Lomas, we, we never had an indoor facility, so it, we never had the opportunity to do anything but go outside. See, and Wayne, believe it or not, even though we had the Silver Dome, Wayne would never let us practice inside the Silver Dome. He always made us practice outside, so we wouldn't be able. So we were basically an indoor team that practiced outside. So it would be cold, and we would be outside too. That was Wayne's philosophy. Now, did I like it? No, a Southern boy from Miami. Oh no! And Tom, can I please, can I please know where this came from? 
Where did the unwritten rule come from that linemen don't wear sleeves when they get cold? <laughs> Who created that rule right there? Because that's what I was greeted with in 1985 when I got in the Detroit locker room. Linemen don't wear sleeves. We don't care how cold it is. What in the world? Where was that in the rule book at? Who wrote that rule? You know, that, that goes back to, like, Bud Grant and – in like that era of coaches where they didn't want to give heaters to the team on the other side, so they didn't have heaters on their side alone. So that was kind of the, the psychological challenge to any opponent. But I believe I believe it has some effect, and I'm interested to see how it will affect the, the Lions on Sunday. Well, it won't be super cold, but it will be a little little bite in the air along Chicago's beautiful lakefront. Lomas, we're going to let you go. Appreciate it so much. Always Thank you, Lomas. love talking to you, and thanks for the time, and uh, good luck to you guys. Absolutely, guys. Take care. Appreciate it. Lomas Brown, the great tackle of the Detroit Lions, now the radio analyst. Coming up next, we'll be joined by Bears center Sam Mustafer. We'll break things down as the Bears get ready for the Detroit Lions. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Microsoft Surface and CDW. People who get it learn more at CDW.com. I'm laughing because Tom got me good. Sam Mustafer joining us now, the Bears center out of Notre Dame. Uh, Tom, or excuse me, Sam, see, I'm all r- ruffled now because uh, Tom and I do a Skype while we're doing the show so we could have some good uh, visual communication. You know, he's an offensive lineman, so... He, he likes that, but he, he's got his dog sitting on his lap, and I didn't know it, so he just shot me shot me a look. So he got me off guard there, Big Sam. How you doing? You doing all right? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing okay, doing okay. Just, uh, you know, like you, you know, we're all trying to move on from uh, Sunday night, and I know it's already late in the week and still a lot of conversation about Sunday night, but it's odd because reporters only get a certain amount of time to get get with players and coaches throughout the course of the week so today we got the coordinators and you know it just rehashing a little bit but for a player and what you guys are going through you got to get your mind fixated on what's next not what what happened correct and is that hard to do after a loss like that um you know it's not it's not too hard to do um you know you got to move on uh you know this is only my second year in the nfl but you know i understand that these seasons are long and you know the move on to preparing for the next opponent. I mean, everybody's good in the NFL. And that's a, you know, that's an adjustment a lot of guys have to make, but that's something I've been able to understand early on. So, you know, moving on and getting ready for Detroit, uh, you know, it's pretty, pretty easy. And the other aspect of that too, you know, the season is far from over. You get, there's five games and a lot of, a lot of path you can take here in term, terms of turning this thing around. And, and that's the under, rated aspect of things you know because of a loss like that everybody throws up their hands and says "Uh oh but you guys got to roll up your sleeves instead and go to work absolutely um you know earlier uh during our off-season zoom meetings we had the opportunity to uh speak with doc rivers and that's something that he spoke about is uh he went white water rafting and when you do that the instructor tells you to lean in and through trouble and turbulent times like we're going through right now all we can really do is lean into each other. And uh, I feel like, you know, we have a strong locker room. We have a cohesive unit and uh, it, we're, we're going to be there for each other. Hey, Sam, I, I want to take you back a couple games ago because you and I had a 
kind of a similar introduction to the NFL. I was sitting on the bench kind of pouting that I wasn't playing, and the offensive line coach came over and said, hey, Kurt Becker got hurt, you're in the game. And you you go here, you're a second-year player. Cody White, I mean, <laughs> Cody, Cody Whitehair, he never misses a play. He never misses a game. All of a sudden, Sam, you're in. Tell me, tell me that instant, that couple seconds when you realized, all right, man, here's, here's my time. It was, it was crazy. Um, so I was on the sideline, and during the game, uh, just to stay connected, I get the Microsoft Surface tablet, and I write down the plays on the tablet, uh, you know, where we're running it to, and, you know, I, I get a chance to look at every defense, which is nice. So I was writing it down, and uh, I believe I was standing next to Tyler Bray, and he looks at me and he says, Sam, you're up. Cody's down. <laughs> and so <laughs> I dropped the tablet right on the ground. Luckily, like, they have some covering and protecting around them. And put my helmet on, sprinted right in the game. No warm-up snaps, no anything. So, mm. yeah, it was definitely uh, one heck of an introduction. So leading up to this point in the season through last year, you know, it takes you a long time to digest all the information. Were you exclusively and only, well, you can't only learn the center position because you have to know what your guards are doing, but were you were you just learning the center position at that time? Because it's when I look at the offensive line today, I see everybody has played a different position at one time or the other. For, for your roots and everything in the league, was it center-specific? Yeah, it was center-specific. I, You know, I feel like I could play guard as well, but, you know, at the center position, you've got your hand in a lot of different pots and you're able to lead a unit. Uh, and I feel like that's something that I, I've been coached to do in college. And I feel like it, it's harder definitely in the NFL, especially being a younger center. But um, I have a great room full of good vets and guys who have been in my position. And it definitely helps, uh, you know, playing next to somebody who's played center at a high level in the NFL and Cody. You know, uh, I'm gonna I, I have I'm gonna have a Notre Dame question for you before we let you go, but <laughs> going you know I I always felt going back to our time at Notre Dame, you really get prepared for a, a high football environment for a lot of pressure, for a lot of responsibilities on your shoulder. So the the preparations that you went through at Notre Dame, did do you think it helped you be more prepared? Uh, you know, even though, um, you know, wh- how you came into the NFL? Absolutely. Um, you're, like you said, you're in a lot of high-pressure situations. Um, every game is televised. You have multiple primetime games a year. Um, so I, I think that definitely helped prepare me in that sense. Uh, nothing can compare to, you know, the level of talent that you have at the NFL level, but in the sense of knowing how many people are watching, understanding what's at stake, Notre Dame definitely helped me prepare for that. All right, I want to go back to that moment again when you threw the pad down and went out on the field because <laughs> Tom's got a great story, and I, I, I know he's told it many times. But because, like he said, see, Tom's, Tom's a powder. There's no question about it. If he doesn't get his way or he, he thinks, you know, he's going to be mad about things. So, Tom, tell him what lesson you learned from that because you really weren't ready for that moment. Well, just real quickly, Sam, I hadn't played a down other than kickoff return the first two games, and so I was disappointed that I wasn't playing at all. And so I go, all right, you know what? I'm going to take the last bus, and I'm not going to tape my ankles. I'm not going to worry about taping my hands and wrists. So I just went out there to take part on kickoff return, and then, man, I got hit like a pie in the face. It's middle of the second quarter. There's an injury. 
and I go in. So, you know, I had to go in at halftime. I had to get my ankles taped, get spatted, get different shoes on, tape my hands and everything. So it was just an important lesson because, like that instant that you went through, man, you got a guy in front of you who's a rock of Gibraltar. All of a sudden he comes limping off, and Sam, you get no more time. You're in. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know what? The, it, it, it's truly incredible. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, you know, and Tom never missed another uh, snap. I mean, he was he was the starter from that moment on. So it, it is a great lesson. You just never know what's going to happen. But for the average person who thinks it's just so easy to just come in in a game like that, ice cold and, and not really getting ready, the, the preparation that must be done over the course of the week and to stay connected because, hey, we're human. It's easy to think you're never going in the game. I mean, it's just – but you can't think that way. And I know that's that seems so simple, but it, it, it it's not so simple, is it, Sam? Even, even with, you know, a minute to go in the game, something could happen on a game-winning drive, and it could make or break the game. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It, you're right. It's not easy, and we are all human. Um, really, it's just staying ready so you don't have to get ready. I kind of live by that motto. And, you know, it's done wonders for me thus far in my life. But you're you're right. It is hard. You can't, as much as you want to replicate a pressure situation like that uh, against a defense that's as talented as that one, um, you know, it, it's difficult. It, <laughs> the imagination can only go so far. So, uh, but, yeah, I I think Coach Castillo, uh, Coach Riola, Coach Nagy, Coach Laser, they do a great job of, you know, replicating those situations as best we can in practice. And uh, I feel like they, they prepared me for, for that stage. Sam Mustaver, our guest here on Bears All Access, a few more moments with the Bears starting center. Uh, Sam, could you uh, take the temperature of the team for us? What, what's the mood like right now? Um, you know, it, it, it's good. Like you said earlier, we have a lot of season, a lot of ball left to play. And, you know, honestly, at this point, it's taking it one day at a time, um, putting all of our effort into preparing day in and day out. And, you know, it, it's a great locker room. I, I I love the vets that are in there, offense and defense. Um, and there's so much I can learn and soak up from guys who have been in similar situations like this before and have come out on the other side and be better because of it. And uh, I, I'm lucky to be a part of a team like this. Sam, is it kind of surreal, though, when you break the huddle, you run to the line of scrimmage, you have a teammate from college next to you at the right guard, but then you have the former center at the left guard. So, you know, there's a lot of information that you and Cody can give each other at a moment's notice that can help both positions. But, you know, from Alex, you know, a college teammate on one side and the former center on the other side where you're starting in the center, is it, you know, is it sunk in or yet for you that, you know, this could be something that could be a long-term solution? Uh, you know, would, would I love that? Absolutely. Um, to take hold of this opportunity that I have in front of me, it, it would be it, this would be a dream come true, especially, you know, in a place like Chicago and to be a Chicago Bear. Uh, I mean, in terms of football, it doesn't get much better than that. But um, it, it's it's been awesome being out there with those guys and learning how to mesh as a unit. And, uh, you know, really last week, and, you know, Cody kind of talked to me about this. He was like, we haven't played a snap of us three together. And we were talking about it last week before the Packers game. He's, we haven't played a snap in these positions before together. And, you know, you get caught up in the moment and wanted to be perfect and want to execute at the highest level that you forget that. But 
it's been so nice to have a center next to me and then a guy that is that I've played multiple that thousands of snaps next to before that it, it's been a great situation to walk into. Can Notre Dame beat Clemson with that quarterback? He's talented, man, <laughs> but he's he's talented, but I have ultimate faith in uh coach Reese, coach Lee preparing those guys, uh coach Quinn on the O-line, you know. So I'm I'm hoping that that they come out with a victory and I'm very confident that they will. Uh and you know this sounds crazy, but I'm most excited about the fact that there's a possibility for the Notre Dame offensive line to bring home the Joe Moore Award. That's home where it belongs. Well, explain what that award means because it does uh, ha- it carries great distinction uh, throughout college football for the best offensive line in college football, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, fortunately, I was on an offensive line who was able to win that award. And, you know, Joe Moore being at Notre Dame and then, all the guys you talk about, Aaron Taylor. You talk about Tom. Like, <laughs> there's the the history of uh, Notre Dame offensive line play is something that you know all of us take great pride in. You know, you think of Jimbo Covert, Bill Fralick, Ron, all the the offensive lines that he's coached at Pitt when he was there, and he developed some of the greatest offensive linemen in in the history of the NFL. So, I mean, it is an awesome. Uh, record-setting offensive line that's you know people don't pay attention to a lot of the Atlanta, uh, uh, the stats provided by the offensive line, but those guys have done a great job of sticking together and having a lot of consecutive games together. And the only stat that matters is the win column, unbeaten. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> and hey, and and you know what? Uh, last year the bowl game, you know your, your your Irish thump my Iowa State Cyclones, but we're coming. We're now in the top ten, first time ever, so I'm excited. I had that conversation today with David Montgomery. Before I let you go, tell your brother PJ tore it up. I saw a little uh, little love from you on Twitter. He was the player of the week after that win over Michigan. I know. They finally got one under their belt, and I'm, I couldn't be more proud of them and the team. All right, very good. We'll let you go. Appreciate it. Good luck with the preparation the rest of the week, and uh, go get those lines, all right? Thank you, Sam. All righty. Sam, Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Jeff. Sam Mustaver, you're quite welcome. Sam Mustaver, the Bears starting center. We'll have more. We'll hear from uh, Cordero Patterson coming up next. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an appointment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow. With Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, Mike Rankin, our producer tonight. Thanks, as always, to Jordan Trudup and Dan Barilli. Love that uh, that perspective from Sam Mustafer, especially when you're thrown into a game like that. Uh, you know, you just you can't really ever envision the moment. I, I do like what he had to say, though. Well, it's unpredictable. When you come in the league as an undrafted free agent, you don't know if your time will ever come. And then there's just a short amount of time. You know, I'm telling you, I, I just see him going to take the place of Cody. It's almost like when we are introduced to Cody and, you know, just his his readiness, his, you know, he's never injured, he's there, and then all of a sudden Cody comes limping off field. I mean, it's just that that moment that a lot of players face. It's it's pretty incredible. How, how did he look, and, and how did you think the offensive line played? They got a lot of praise from Matt Nagy and from Bill Lazor this week. You know, I mean, in segments, they, they played better. They played more organized. They they were physical. They did a, a nice job in their pass protection responsibilities. You know, it's it's something 
that and it took them four series at the beginning of the game to get 28 plays. Within the last two series of the game, they had 28 plays. And so when these guys know that the Bears have to throw a majority of the times, because I think they threw, they ran it a couple times each of those drives for six yards of carry, that's when they pass block their best. And so when the other team knew what they were doing, that's when the guys held up against that type of fire. So um, I'm encouraged about what's going forward. I'm, I, you know, I hope every one of these guys can improve. They can communicate better. But I mean, it's definitely not a finished product. Yeah. If you're, if you're going to give them a grade, you're going to give them an average grade. At ho- but at least their arrows pointing up. Cordero Patterson is our pro player profile feature this week on our Bears game day live show at 10:30 in the morning on Sunday before the Detroit game on Fox 32 Chicago. Here's a snippet of our interview. With a man who's uh, willing to do just about everything. I just like having fun out there, man. And You know, playing this football game is it, it's so much fun to me, man. A lot of guys can't say that, man, but I know I can, bro. It's, it's so much fun, you know, just, just playing the game and just being out there with your teammates, man, and the excitement, the, the, the football brings to the, and the love of the game, man, is just it's, it's untalkable. However you can say that. It's, it's just so many That's words. That's a new word. <laughs> <laughs> It's just so fun, man. That's that's all I can say. It's just, <laughs> just exciting feeling, man. Has it always been the case from the time you were a little kid? Ever since I was five or six years old, man. Ever since I picked up the football, just my mama, man. She, I was getting on her nerves as a as a little kid, and she said, "You you got to get out of my house. You you got to go do something." I still remember this like it was yesterday. She said, "You got to go out and do something." So <laughs> she got me into football, man. And I didn't look back ever since. So. It's, it's been fun ever since five, six years old. You're a zero to 100 guy, man. You're, you hit every hole, every return. It's full speed ahead, and it's like you're blowing up bodies along the way. Yeah, you don't beat everybody all the time, but you're leaving a mark. You're leaving a mark on somebody trying to tackle you. I'm a big guy, man. And my favorite part of playing the game is when defense line me, be like, boy, you run so hard. So I'm like, okay, I like this. I got to run a little harder so you can feel my presence even more. So. I love that stuff, man. I love, I love the content. I love getting hit. It's just, it's a part of the game, having fun with it. You're the elite return man of your era, and you're the longest return touchdown on a kickoff in Bears history, and now you're knocking at the, at the top of the heap here as you try and set, separate yourself from the, the other returners of years gone by. I know it's a lot to embrace because you still got a lot of career left, but it, it means something, right? Please tell me it means something. Oh man, it means the world, man. Honestly, it it means everything as as a little kid, a little kid playing this game, and it's everything you dreamed of, you know. And you know, as a little kid, you always want to be something. You always want to leave your mark on something. And now I get the opportunity to go out and try to do that, and you know, be one of the great returners like all these other guys, man. It's just so many names out there, and you know, and, and people look up to me as a, as a good returner. Though it's, it, it feels amazing, man. But I ain't, I'm not done yet, though. I'm not done yet. Let's get into you a little bit. One of the best quotes I've read about you, I, I think it's hilarious. At the time of the article, I don't know where I read it because I've collected these notes over the years, but the, the topic was tattoos. To this point, you do not have a tattoo on your body. Is that still a fact? It's not. <laughs> oh, it ruins the whole quote. Okay, so what changed? Because at one time, here's the quote, everybody, from Cordero Patterson. Uh, quote, you don't put a bumper sticker on a Ferrari. <laughs> wow. What happened? That was many years ago, man. 
That was many years ago. I got all these kids now, man, and I just had to get some some tattoos. Seeing all them guys had tattoos, I was like, I think I need some, man. And, and I got one, and it was like, I can't stop. I can't stop. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's why uh, he's a fun-loving guy. Uh, I love that quote. I was just hoping, but yes, he has well, three kids, another on the way, so he's he's honoring all of them. We do have some similarities. You know, I'm the youngest of a big family. My mom used to say all the time, get out of the house and go play. You're driving me crazy. But, you know, and I don't have any tattoos, so that's that's one thing that I've been able to maintain. But <laughs> you can't I want to say, um, today I was watching the first game of the year, Detroit Lions-Chicago Bears. And I was watching David Montgomery, and I was watching Tariq Cohen, and I was watching Cordero Patterson. And I've come to the conclusion after watching that game, if we only had – if David Montgomery was injured and we only had one running back, I would play Cordero Patterson and I would give him his 35 touches a game. I would give him his 30 carries because I do believe with the explosiveness in which he runs with, it will take a toll on defenders as the more carries he gets. He doesn't shy away from line of scrimmage confrontations that you have to have sometimes when the offensive linemen aren't moving guys out of the way. But, the uh, the the power in which he runs with, um, the speed in which he can carry, the deceptiveness with an open space head fake, is is pretty impressive. And so you know he I, I just went back and he caught my eye a lot during that game. Hey man, listen, I'm David Montgomery's biggest fan. But if there was ever a way that they had to go to uh, with with Tariq getting injured and just they needed a one guy running back system. I think Cordero could handle the load. Well, and interesting, before this year began, uh, he was number one in NFL history in terms of yards per carry at over seven. Now, that was for a minimum 100 carries. It wasn't a huge sample size, but uh, the guy, he, he's a people mover. So we'll, we'll, we'll pick it up on the other side. Our final segment coming up here on Bears All Access. It's brought to you by IGS Energy with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. The Chicago Bears Network presents Inside the Bears, brought to you by Verizon. Anthony Adams and Lawrence Greeden cover the world of Bears football on and off the field every Sunday night, 11.05 p.m. on Fox 32 Chicago, or watch anytime at chicagobears.com or on the Bears official app. With Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, remaining moments before we turn it over to Hub Arkish on 670 The Score, talk more Bears football. He was on those conference calls today, those Zoom calls today, and Chuck Pagano, uh, he's, he's been hilarious the last couple of weeks, but not so funny was the fact that obviously uh, defense didn't play like they're used to playing, and he took a lot of the responsibility. And he's been asked repeatedly, Tom, over the course of this year about the run defense because while it has been overall impressive, there have been times when it has not. They've given up chunks. They've given up 10-plus yard carries. Again, asked today if the defense misses Eddie Goldman. Well, nobody will ever forget it. We've all spots when, the, fortunately, the space shuttle. You know, I know exactly where I was when that thing happened, 9-11 and, and 2020 uh, and Sunday night football at Lambeau. I, I'll never forget it. it was scars, you know. You don't ever forget the scars, you know, and the, and the bad things that happened. So, um, yeah, we'll never make any excuses. And, and those guys are really good players and – um, their teammates would tell you they're really good players, and we'd love to have them on the field. We don't have them on the field. Yeah, and that's been the stance all season long, and and that's the approach you got to take here. 
Yeah, so you know what? I, I would be more interested is how many yards per carry do they give up when Akeem Hicks is not on the field? Because, yeah, you don't have Eddie Goldman, and he's a missing piece of the puddle since the start of the year. But when you look at the stats contributing to the other night's performance and you see Akeem Hicks not in the lineup, and then you look at how it affects the linebacker position, he's a big part of it. And so it's more hoping that the defensive linemen that are playing play up to the level of the guys in front of them being Akeem Hicks. Yeah, we got 30 seconds left. Uh, Give me a key. A key that you're thinking about over the course of this week. I know we we talked about this on Monday and Tuesday, but now it's Thursday night. What are you thinking? Do not let Matthew Stafford have a good outdoor stadium drive opening drive of the game. Because if you give Daryl Bevel and Matt Stafford some of that first scripted confidence, you're asking for trouble. He's had his issues at Soldier Field. Bears have gotten to him. Swipe the ball. He'll give it to you every now and again. Don't know if he'll have Kenny Galladay. Not looking good. Swift didn't practice today either, working through a concussion. Tom, we're out of time. We'll talk to you on the radio on Sunday, 9 a.m. pregame with Ron Jim and Jay and the kickoff at noon on WBBM. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks to our guests tonight, Sam Mustafer, Lomas Brown, and thanks to our producer, Mike Rankin. Appreciate you all listening tonight. Enjoy Hub Arkish next. This has been Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Good night. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on ChicagoBears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite.